Hello and welcome back to the bandwagon. I'm your host, Stephen Kernan, and joining me in the studio, as always, Brent Dolan. How you doing, Brent? Doing good. Glad to be here. Good. So today we are going to be taking a look. The All-Star Game wrapped up last weekend, um, and we are just finishing the All-Star break and getting back to basketball, but I wanted to pause and go over our mid-season awards. Um, This week we're going to be talking about uh, the MVP, uh, the most surprising team, the most disappointing team, and the free agent signing of the year, and we could potentially get to some other ones as well. We will see. So let's go ahead and get started. First of all, most important, right now the MVP race is uh, pretty tight, I would say, uh, in terms of some of the the amount of candidates. Um, they've sealed off potentially four candidates. Um, that's sort of what I've heard the most of anyway. Um, namely, I think uh, Embiid, Jokic, Steph, and LeBron are among the top four um candidates and i wanted to get your take if you were to pick right now who would you pick for mvp so if i'm saying season ends today who's the mvp i think it's very obviously Embiid. yeah uh i i think that's he's the clear-cut favorite right now i think with him being out for two weeks minimum and then possibly longer he probably won't end up winning it this year, which kind of sucks because he's had an incredible year, but his injury is going to take him out for two weeks. He's already missed a little bit of time here and there, so that's like a month of the season he'll be out, and that's if it's still the best-case scenario and it's only two weeks, which if you saw the clip and you saw the injury, I I don't know about you, it didn't look like an injury that's only going to take two weeks to come back from, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I I don't know. I think if it's I think it depends. If it's two weeks then I think that Embiid's still got it. Um, just because of the... Well, I actually, I take that back. I, I think I should qualify that by saying it depends, for me, on the team results. So how does the team play without him? Um, that's going to be a huge difference maker. And then how like, does the team play when he comes back? I feel like it's, it's kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, almost. Like... He probably needs to have the one seed in the East if they're going to get it, if he's going to get MVP. Like, I think at the end of the season, if they don't have the one seed, he can't, I don't think he gets it. And so if they keep winning without him, his main case right now is look at the Sixers. They're the number one seed in the East. They're, like, have one of the best records in the league. It's all because of Embiid. So I feel like if they keep winning at this level without him, people are going to kind of take that away from him and be like, well, it's not all him. But yeah, I, I agree. And then I feel like, but if they if they don't keep doing it and they drop too low, then they're going to be like, well, like they don't have the number one seed. So like, see, I that... disagree a little bit. I think that I think that if they struggle without him, then it all comes down to how well they play with him when he comes back. Because in terms of like your team impact and that sort of thing, it it is a huge credit to. It doesn't have any impact on Embiid's case if the team plays poorly and in some cases like depending on how poorly they play it can actually help them uh i agree that like his team as the number one seed in the east right now is the reason that he's sort of the favorite here but without him if they fall below that one seed i don't think that that matters as much if anything i think that almost helps him if he can start to i think for people like us it helps them yeah i think for the majority because here here right now they have they're 28 and 12 yeah 
He's out for two weeks. That's, that's a lot of games in two weeks. Yeah. They start losing like crazy. It's tight enough. They drop down to the third, maybe fourth seed. Yeah. Um. They could possibly not get back up, and I think that's something that like that could just happen. If they're at the fourth seed by the end of the season, even though logically I think people like you and me are gonna like follow that and be like, well, like it was cut was Embiid was out. Uh, I don't think the average viewer or the narrative is gonna necessarily go that way for him. Yeah, and, I don't know. I I think I disagree on that because if you look at the other three candidates for MVP right now, um, the best candidate is uh, like in terms of seeding is LeBron, and LeBron's at the three seed right now. Uh, Denver's at the five seed, and Jokic, I think, is probably the second favorite right now for, for candidacy. And then there have even been talks about Steph, and Steph's the nine seed. Like, he would be in the play-in tournament right now in the West. And so I think it, I think the average fan would would understand that that seeding. Of course, it depends on, like, how everyone else does. Like, if, if in that time Denver pushes to the one seed in the West or something insane like that, or like even passes up the Lakers, then of course the Jokic's case is going to be improving at the same time and perhaps a lot more than Embiid's case will be. But I don't think that that it will impact Embiid's case as much as you're you're thinking here. I th- and I think I think part of it depends on how long he's out. That's a big thing. Yeah. Uh, if it's only two weeks, which again I, even if he can come back in two weeks, he shouldn't in my opinion. MVP at the end of the day isn't important. His long-term health and his health for the playoffs is. Um, if no. I was Embiid, I would say I don't, I don't care about the MVP. I think he obviously does, but at the end of the day, it's not important. But not not when he has a team that I think could make a playoff push if they play their cards right. Um, so. I I really don't see him coming back in two weeks. I I and he and if he does, I'll be a little disappointed because I think he'll be rushing back a little too soon. And then, for a player that has track record of injuries that's just not it's not smart i do have a quick little a little surprise candidate for you that i want to get your take on if the heat finish first in the east do you think jimmy butler gets that because right now they are on a tail they've run since they he since they've come back they have won almost every game and right now they've won 10 of their last 11 and it's just when he got back do you think he gets a case? Um, I mean, I think he would get some dark horse candidacy mentions. Like he would, he would definitely get mentions. That said, I don't think that that he would win. Um, I don't know. It, it, that's a, it's a tough look. I mean, he's only played twenty six games this year. Yeah. Um, so, I... like by the same logic that that Embiid is. Uh, Embiid's injury could sidetrack his candidacy. Like I, I think that Embiid or uh, Jimmy Butler could steal some votes away, potentially. But I don't think he's gonna come close to winning. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's interesting though how he, the playoff race is shaping up to be a lot more interesting now that the Heat are good again. Yeah, and, and hopefully that'll continue. Jimmy I mean, that's Butler been has been, he's just he's he's good. He's he's a good player. I mean. Yeah. The Heat, since he's come, he's come back, have been good again, and it's oh, it's been like very noticeable impacts. Uh, so yeah. that's that's exciting to see, and I think it'll make the East a little more exciting. But yeah, that's that's all I got on the MVP. Yeah, I I think that 
that right now Embiid is is my favorite, like you mentioned. Depending on the time missed, I think it would go to Jokic, uh, depending on the results. And then, I don't know. I mean, between LeBron and Steph, I'd be almost disappointed if either one of them won it this year. Um, I'd be happy for Steph. But in terms of, like, the basketball, I would think that if that were to happen for either one of them, then that means that Embiid and Jokic would have had to have a downslide uh, or a downturn in their in their output or in their performance or in their team performance. And that's just something that, like, these guys are both so easy to root for. Their games are so fun, and it's so different in terms of what we've come to expect from the NBA. Like we mentioned on the last pod, or maybe it was the pod before that, the last center to win MVP was Shaq yeah. uh, two decades ago. And so it was like, this is a huge change of pace. It's a nice breath of fresh air. and For a league that was killing the center completely. Yeah, and it's deservedly so. Like, they, they have played extremely well. Like, they, they're not just favorites because other players have struggled or because of injuries. Um, sometimes you see that where where someone who's probably the clear favorite gets injured and, and someone else wins. They've actually performed incredibly well, and uh, I think they deserve the recognition here. So if one of them doesn't get it, I'd be I'd be sort of surprised. I, do. I have one last note in the MVP, who I think might end up getting it in the end, because I don't think Embiid's going to get it now, which is, I, I hope he does, because I think that'd be really cool. I think that injury is unfortunately probably going to take him out of the race, uh, just because it looked, it didn't look great, and no. I think the health, I think the people in Philly know that, like, they know what they want, and they want to chip. Well, especially when you've got knee concerns on someone who's you know, seven foot tall and like as big and, and explosive as mm-hmm. Embiid is. Like, so, that's a problem. I don't see him taking it home. Uh, right now, Denver's starting to kind of win again, but it's because Jamal Murray's a streaky, streaky shooter, and he's happening. He's doing really well right now. I don't see that super good shooting to continue for the rest of the year, so I think they're going to drop down a little bit again. I don't see Steph getting it, unfortunately. I think that'd be fun, which kind of leaves LeBron, which I think his case was killed a little bit when they were losing without AD. Because uh, he was based, like, if, like, a lot of people had him at first. Some people had him close behind Embiid. AD went down. They started losing. They were like, well, LeBron's... But now they're winning again. So I think if the Lakers keep winning without AD, uh, and it depends on how long AD's out. If he comes back, like... If he came back the next game, like it wouldn't have been enough like of wins without him to like make LeBron's case. But like, it could almost be process of elimination. Yeah. And the narrative really wanted to give it to LeBron because uh, I think a lot of the league wants to do that because he should probably have more because he's been the best player for so long. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's got a strong candidacy just cumulatively um, among his career, but. You know, I I still think at the end of the day, uh, right now it's Jokic and Embiid a step ahead. Um, with the injury, I'm I'm, if I were a betting person, I'd say Jokic. But if I'm casting my own vote today, it's Embiid, uh, for me. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and move on to. <laughs> these are our sort of our custom awards. These are just some some interesting points to to kind of talk about and. Uh, see what what has kept our attention this year uh, or captured our attention the most and the first of those awards is the most surprising team um, what do you think on this one I have a guess as to what you might say but I think there are a few candidates here I think there's a lot of candidates actually uh, 
Utah Jazz, though. Oh, okay. That's uh, actually not who I expected you to say. I I couldn't see putting anyone else here, uh, mainly due to the fact that before the season, I think you and me last season maybe if they were this good, we wouldn't have been as surprised because we, me and you, kind of saw this like, oh, yeah, like this. Last team can year, be really I projected good. them as the number one yeah. team in the league. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't go that far, but I did think they were going to be really good, and I had them as a dark horse candidate. I was just one year off, man. That's just it's one year brutal. Off. I was one year off. Just it's because I didn't say it this year. That's it. <laughs> um, and this year, I think like me and you both kind of were like, yeah, this team could be good, but I don't think we had those expectations. No. At, at all. And so, first round exit to best record in the league and a title contender, that I don't think anyone saw, except maybe people... In Utah. <laughs> um, right. So I think that's the team that has shocked me the most and has exceeded expectations the most for me. And I was very pleasantly surprised. And I don't think there's another team on this list who I've been surprised and happier for than the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely up there. That's actually who I was going to take if you took the other team. Um, just because I do think the, the degree that they to which they've performed is remarkable like it it is truly surprising in the sense that there were mild expectations like there were expectations for this team but they were not nearly this high i think everyone underrated them in comparison to their performance this year and so i think you're right on that one for me, though, I think the favorite uh, for most surprising team, as assuming I'm doing this in a positive light, um, yes, the because I, we've got a most disappointing team as well, but most surprising team in a positive way for me is Phoenix. Um, no one expected Phoenix to be the two seed in the West right now. I mean, we were close. We we had high expectations, but no. I mean, yeah, we had high expectations with Chris Paul coming in. Uh, we knew that that would be be helpful but i don't think anyone saw this coming and they had a hot start to the year which i think that that's when we really started sort of predicting them as as a talented team but they fell off for a little while and at that point you know phoenix has had a pattern where for the past decade really they may start off hot or they may have a streak where they look good and then the wheels fall off and they sort of crumble. And this year, they had the opportunity for the wheels to fall off and for them to crumble, and they just didn't. And that's been really, really impressive and really surprising to me. And I know some Suns fans who are really excited this year, and for great reason. Um, the They have plenty of room to improve. And to me, they've just... If I was to compare, like preseason projections for me for wins losses or standings i think they've definitely out outperformed that yeah uh yeah the west has gotten better this year um and a year when we thought oh the east is gonna be like better than they have been in the past and they just kind of crapped the bet on that one so the west is still good and the east still sucks so i mean that's <laughs> just that's that's life i guess um i have a question for you though do you take couple questions a do you take phoenix seriously as a title contender like if you were to bet mm. money no no in terms of a, a title no and then my second question is 
do they kind of need to in this next year or two with Chris Paul's aging? Uh, let, when they lose Chris Paul, I guess my question is, do you think they'll be able to get a player of his like caliber back? Uh, it's 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 tough because I don't want to say title or bust, but like with their current group, like it's gonna be hard to find someone to replace him once he ages out. I think. Well, I think for the past decade or so, their goal has been playoffs or bust. And so, um, well, really, it's been tanking. But, uh, you know, <laughs> playoffs are the next step from there. And they have to make the playoffs in order to get to the finals. So we're going to take this one step at a time. I, In terms of, like, title or bust or title hopes or expectations, I don't think that's necessary. I think the, the biggest value that Phoenix will get from Chris Paul is actually not his play, like, for this year or into the future. I think the biggest value they'll get from Chris Paul is is his impact on Devin Booker, and more specifically, DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton, in terms of... I, I'm planning on writing an article about Ayton and like his improvement in the pick-and-roll game specifically. There's no better partner in the world for him to learn next to than Chris Paul, and that's where you're going to see those dividends because you don't necessarily have to replace Chris Paul when he leaves as long as the skills that are there have been passed on to Ayton. Because at that point, you can accept less talent in the point guard position and still get the same result as long as Aiton has improved. So I think that, that Chris Paul is expanding their window long after he leaves, and that's a big reason that I liked the move so much uh, and that I've, I've enjoyed watching that development this year. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I think I should mention also an honorable mention for me um, is Charlotte this year and we may talk about them in a little bit but um for me charlotte has it's the east and so like the record isn't that remarkable but no one had any expectations for charlotte this year no one had any expectations whatsoever and for them to play a as lot well of people as they didn't did, have expectations for Lamelo even like yeah no 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 one had any expectations and i guess those were tampered by the fact that lonzo ball has had a slow start to his career but LaMelo's looked incredible, and as a result, you know, Charlotte in general has looked really good. And so I think that they're probably a runner-up. They just weren't playing up to the two-seed potential that, that Phoenix all of a sudden is. So, so yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the, uh, the flip side of the most pleasantly surprising team. Let's talk about the most disappointing team. Um, I have had different teams that probably would have won this award from me throughout the year. And those things are starting to change as the season goes on. So I'm interested to see who would win this award for you today. I do. I find it a little funny because whenever I was looking for a surprising team, there are a lot of teams out west that I was thinking of. Most disappointing teams, they're almost all out east. Um, and I have, I have my notes here. Uh, the Boston Celtics are my most disappointing team. And I had little notes for everyone. It was like, for the next one, I have some stats. For the Celtics, I just have Celtics, comma, they suck. Oh. Um, because they haven't been good. And it's it's unfortunate for a team who I think was a serious title contender and who I thought, or even early in the season, like had title aspirations and like had a very realistic and good chance to make it out of the East and win the whole thing. Yeah. For them to have Jalen Brown and Tatum playing like so well and like being this great duo and still being this bad, it's kind of unfortunate. And this bad is 
the sixth seed, but it's the sixth seed in the East. They're almost one more loss, and they're at five hundred. I mean, that's yeah. not what you want if you're them. Uh, yeah, they're half a game away from Atlanta. Yeah, that's. And they're half a game behind Charlotte. That's not what you want. <laughs> that's that's just not what you want, especially if you're Boston. And I think for a team that for years was building up like we have all these assets, this and that, like. This is to think this is where it landed, and you're kind of out of assets. Like you don't have your draft picks anymore. Like you're out of those, um, and you have a trade exception, and that's it. That's what you have to go forward. And you're on. Part of it's not their fault. I mean, Kemba Walker getting injured and losing almost all of what made him great. That's that's not on them. Yeah. Um, them not getting reliable center. That I think that is on them. That yeah, the centerpiece is on them as well, and you know to go along with your injury, um, they've had some key injuries kind of throughout the season. Like Marcus Smart was really important, and yeah. he's his injury really sucks for them. Um, Tatum's missed a few games as well, and Jalen Brown had to carry them, and so as a result, they've had to rely on some players that really weren't ready, um, or who they probably shouldn't have to rely on, and. In a sense, I agree with you. I think the only argument for Boston not being in my, you know, most disappointing team is it's it's harder to be disappointed when when there are some very clear like reasons that this happened, and they weren't necessarily predictable reasons either. Um, and so, in comparison to their like projected success, I do think they're probably the furthest away from that. But in terms of their, the reasons for it, I can't really fault them too much right now. And I do think that given, you know, Marcus Smart coming back, that would really help them out right now. Um, you know, that really helps out in comparison to where, where Kemba Walker is. Um, for me, my disappointing team, my most disappointing team was actually out West. Um, can you guess who it is? I said the Mavericks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's the Mavericks. And, you know, part of that was, you know, coming into the season, Luca was my favorite probably for MVP because I thought there would be a really good narrative around him, um, you know, winning rookie of the year and then going into last year, you know, playing incredibly well in the playoffs and pushing the Clippers, um, past where anyone really expected the Mavs to push them. And coming into this year, I thought that he was potentially an MVP favorite. He was my MVP favorite. And I thought that they would be a top four team in the West in terms of their performance. Obviously, they missed time with Kristaps Porzingis. But, you know, they also lost players like Seth Curry, who has looked really good for Philly. And I didn't expect that to be a problem, but it has been uh, in ways that I didn't really expect. And they made just moves that didn't end up working out or that haven't ended up working out. And I thought that with Porzingis coming back, they would just look incredible and go on this huge tear. And they have improved in some ways, but it really hasn't been to the degree that we expected. And I don't, you know, you have to place a little bit of the fault on that, on Luca taking bad shots, getting frustrated. Um, I know that he's a competitive guy and he gets frustrated and that makes him play worse or play less efficiently. But overall... There's plenty of blame to go around uh, yeah. down in Dallas. And that has been, you know, going into the season, they were one of my favorite teams that I was hoping to watch. And this year, it's been tough to watch some of their games just because 
it, it hasn't looked the way that I pictured. And I feel like for my Celtics and for like the Mavericks for you, a lot of that isn't just like how much they disappointed me this year. It's how much I'm disappointed on their future now. Mm, yeah. um, I think the Celtics don't have as much room to improve as they used to. Uh, and with Kemba, that's just a contract nobody's going to want. And that sucks. Yeah. Uh, and it's a big contract and I don't see many ways they can improve drastically. And then with the Mavericks, Porzingis hasn't looked great this year, and that's been disappointing to watch. Um, I don't think he's ever going to turn into the player we thought he would back when he was on New York, uh, when he was supposed to be this, like, unicorn, and everyone was so excited about him. Yeah, he was the unicorn. He was the unicorn, and I don't think his defense adjusted with the way the league did as far as, like, now you have to guard all the positions. And he's not hitting his shots as well. And that's big. If you're if your biggest thing is you're a center who can hit threes and you're not hitting your threes at a great clip lately, that sucks. And that's that's gonna be a knock against you. And so I think the Mavericks in general just aren't gonna be as exciting moving forward unless they can try to add another star. Because right now you right now it's just it's disappointing and yeah, I think the big thing is a they really need like a secondary playmaker um uh, aside to take some of the pressure off of Luka. It's the same. It's a very similar problem to the one that that the Bucks face with Giannis. Except Luka isn't Luka's a completely different type of player and he's a lot craftier than Giannis is, and so he he makes some plays that Giannis couldn't, but at the same time he's not nearly as athletic. And and overall, he's not very athletic at all. In terms of like comparing him to some of the other stars at his position, he's not nearly as athletic as some of them, and that hurts him in some ways, and it limits him in some ways. And teams can capitalize on that because there's not a secondary option there. There's not a secondary playmaker who can take care of that. And as weird as it sounds, like I think Seth Curry was really underrated for them. Um, in terms of the way he contributed to their offense. And they're missing him right now. Yeah, I think that's... When your biggest thing last year was having a team that can hit a lot of threes, and now you took away one of your players that hit a lot of those threes, Yeah, you drop off a little bit. And Luka started very poorly from three. I mean, like, atrocious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I He's mean, picked he it was... up lately. Uh, same goes for Porzingis, actually. He is looking a little better from three lately, past two weeks or so his percentage has boosted a lot because he's been playing better yeah and guess what the mavericks are looking better as a team because those two are hitting their shots but it's but, yeah i mean it's, it's it's tough because they're probably not going to be on fire for this whole, the rest of the season and so at some point they're probably going to drop back down a little bit and that's that's not sustainable uh you can't count on luca to go like scorched earth for the next five years all the time Right. Um, cause that's just not who he's going to be from three. And so it's disappointing because I, I saw them as a more stable and complete team and they've looked a lot less complete and a lot less stable now. And everyone does Luca, Porzingis, the whole team, yeah. uh, which is disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Well, I wanted to switch gears. Actually, we mentioned some of their off season moves that ended up hurting them in the long run. I know that you're interested in potentially writing an article about this particular award. Um, but 
you know, free agent signing of the year. And I think that we could potentially even expand that to like move of the year, um, something along those lines. But um, where do you see that? What team has made the move of the year so far? What team has made the single move that has impacted their season the most? If I'm looking at the 2020-2021 season, and I let's say five years from now, if I'm going to look back, I'm going to tell everyone it was James Harden's the Nets because I think that was that's that's what's changed the league most. Yeah. I think James Harden to the Nets has been the addition of the year. Uh, there's some other players that I thought were a little close, but I mean... He's averaging a career high in assists. The Nets are second in the East with Embiid gone. They're probably about to hit first. All with, like, one of the bottom five defenses in the league. Yeah. Uh, they have missed KD quite some time this season. And their record's not showing it. Um, before Harden got there, they were playing KD too much for someone who's coming back on Achilles, which was, I think long-term really dangerous for him and for them as a team. Yeah. They don't really have to do that. They can be careful now because when he's gone, Harden's there to keep winning. I think Harden got Kyrie to buy back in. I think Harden is probably the leader on the team right now uh, when KD's out and since Kyrie uh, isn't that type of player. And to be completely honest, I don't see how any other player has impacted the team more. Then James Harden has impacted the Nets. I mean, they're they're incredible and they're a title contender. And I don't think I would have taken them nearly as seriously without him. I think he's impacted his career greatly now. I think his legacy will be different after this move. I think the Nets are now poised to maybe be a contender for multiple years in the future now. I don't think they were that way before. I don't think that was true before and i don't see any player that has changed the landscape of the league more so yeah i I think i'll point out that this is a huge change from you i i know earlier in the year you know we have our take tracker and this is a good time to plug that uh anyone who is listening we revamped our website completely we have new articles up we have we're gonna have a resources page for different basketball uh articles and you know stats like places to keep track of stats and things like that but um, Brent had a take on there. We have our take tracker that was that, and this was after the Harden trade initially happened. Uh, I know you've been historically low on Harden as well, so this is a reversal of that take too, um, where the take was that unless they make a significant move on defense, they have a 0% chance at the title. And I think the difference here is just that, like, I don't, I don't think anyone expected them to be as potent as they are on offense. Um, I, I agree with you that Harden has gotten Kyrie to buy in. I think that's because of their chemistry on court, as well as the fact that he's a huge threat to Kyrie's value. Um, and so like Kyrie understands that unless he's playing incredibly well, they can get rid of him for more defense and then still have a pretty much super team. Uh, they also picked up Blake Griffin, which was a huge uh, win for them as well in terms of their offense anyway um yeah i i think that that's a really good call i think harden is clearly the move of the year um in terms of some other ones like there there are obviously you know some notable moves um 
underrated move seth curry to philly uh you also had players like gordon hayward to charlotte um you know teams like who have made really sort of impactful moves like uh, the lakers have a couple of them uh in terms of Schroeder has been really good for them gasol has been really good for them and teams around the league have overall looked pretty smart this year this has not been there have not been very many bad moves phoenix that we just talked about got chris paul that was huge for them overall teams have looked really good but none of them every single one of those moves is eclipsed by the fact that because brooklyn acted when they did and made the move they did to get harden we're watching an all-time offense and that offense is good enough that they can carry a bottom five defense in the league with a plus nine point differential. They have the highest net rating in the league. Yeah, and with one of the worst defenses in the league because they are they are four points per one hundred more efficient than the record setting Golden State Warriors. And not just that they made that move. That was a ballsy move. Yeah. Uh, they had just, just gotten back from the whole, like, trading all their assets for three big stars, and they did the exact same thing again, this time it worked, which is incredible for them. Yeah. Um, I still don't think they'll win the title. Maybe 0% is different now, because I think that I don't... Oh, um, yeah, maybe. I don't think there's another threat <laughs> out in the East, but, uh... Come on. Maybe? Are you kidding me? Uh, maybe 0% was a little too low, but I'm I'm still... I still don't think they'll win, but... They have looked extremely good, and a lot of that, for me, is the fact that Harden has gotten Kyrie to buy back in, and that's that's really important. And not only that, he's completely changed. He hasn't played this way in years. Um, he hasn't been this selfless in years. Um, he's a completely different player he, this year than he has been in recent years. He's not being selfish. And part of that's because he doesn't have to. But part of that is because he's happy. Like, he's playing basketball and he's enjoying it. I, and that's huge, I think. I agree. And I, I do think part of it is is his happiness. He likes being around KD. Um, from my understanding, he likes Kyrie as well. Um, Kyrie is pretty loved by players overall, uh, tends to be, which is a little surprising to me based on some of the antics and things like that. But, um, it's true. Like players really like being around him, but in terms of the selfishness, I, I have been a firm believer the entire time, um, that James Harden has not been a selfish player. He has within the system had to be the player um he's had to be the focal point player and everything goes through him in terms of the offensive creation and that's how those rockets teams were built and so when they brought in players like you know dwight howard at first and then they also brought in you know russell westbrook and those players did not add the the level of flexibility that Kevin Durant and Kyrie give and in terms of the scoring potential in terms of the primary ball handling responsibilities like James Harden doesn't have to do that when he won six man of the year it wasn't because he was the primary ball handler on that team it was because he was playing within a system where he was not the primary threat and it opened him up for some of the best uh, versions of his game 
and Brooklyn's given that back to him, which is really cool because I've, you know, obviously we listen to like a lot of fans, a lot of specifically casual fans who don't live in Houston tend not to like uh, James Harden. They definitely don't like Russell Westbrook, but they tend not to like James Harden specifically because of what you're talking about and because of how he's had to play for the past few years. And I think that's changed this year. And so, you know, the best move of the year, part of the reason I'm giving it to James Harden is not just because of the Nets. It's also because for James Harden, it was the best movie possibly could have made. Yeah, I think just to wrap things up here, like he has changed his outlook with casual fans. I I still think off the court, um, for the, some of those Rockets teams, particularly with pushing Chris Paul out and how he acted in his last few months in Houston, that still pushed my buttons uh, like the wrong way. But he hasn't been doing that in Brooklyn. He hasn't been doing anything to where like you're like, wow, James Harden's at it again. Like he's bought in, uh, and so I think that the Nets got lucky because they've uh, maybe it wasn't just luck. Maybe Steve Nash has just been good at managing those personalities, but like they've got him to buy in, which I don't think people realize isn't that easy. No. Um, he hasn't bought into like so many Rockets teams. He obviously he didn't buy in enough with Chris Paul. He never bought in with Dwight. He didn't buy in with his best friend, Russell Westbrook. Like he hasn't been able to buy in for a lot of these teams. And so he's just trusting himself. Uh, and that's led to him trying to play hero ball and not always working this year. He's bought in to the team concepts. He's bought into the nets and they're really good because of it. So he's playing, I think, some of the best basketball of his career. I think Kyrie is playing some of the best basketball of his career. I think when KD gets back, he's going to be incredible. That Nets team is really good. It's because of him. It's because of everything they've done. It's, it's it has its holes. But considering what they started with, I I don't know I don't know who else to give this to. Yep, totally agree. Uh, that's a good place to call it. We'll end it there and we will be back next week with another episode. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you leave a review wherever you listen. It really does help people find the show. Um, it helps the algorithm boost us out to more people and definitely check out our website. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer on the show or that you think would be fun content for the show, definitely mail it in to mailbag at bandwagonmba.com and we will answer that as on the next show or as soon as possible and thank you as always for listening and we will talk to you next time see you